Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back aboard the New Scientist Escape Pod. Uh, this is episode 10. Hurrah! Hooray! Yay! <laughs> right. uh, this week's theme is flow. Uh, that can mean lots of things, so let's quickly narrow it down. And we're talking about the psychological state here. It's the feeling that you have when you're in the zone that you get when you, you know, you get this wonderful zen-like state of intense focus that you lose awareness of time passing and become as, as one with whatever it is you're doing. I was just becoming one with whatever I was doing there. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm Rowan Hooper, podcast editor, and we're joined this week by staff writer Graham Lawton and feature editor Anna Deming. Hi, both. Hi. Hi. Yeah, today we're going to get into what flow means scientifically and figure out how better to get there. It's a lovely place to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we nearly lost Rowan for a while back then. <laughs> Um, so do remember before we start you can get the ultimate escapism with a discount subscription to New Scientist if you go to newscientist.com slash escape20 so flow um, what we've been talking about the way we've been talking about it might make it sound a bit hand wavy airy fairy but you know it really isn't because psychologists have been studying flow for years now especially in the context of elite performers yeah, I, I spoke to um, a Formula One driver about this once. Wow. I bet that's an incredible flow state to get into in a Formula One car. And sports are a really good example of yeah. this. So pro- professional tennis players talk about entering a state of mind where where it's almost like the Matrix. Your time slows down, <laughs> the ball looks really big, and they feel they have all the time in the world to get into position and, and hit their shot. And they're not consciously thinking about what they're doing. It's almost like a trance-like state they're executing years and years of of training and you hear the same thing from maybe you talked to some of them for your book your previous book uh, Rowan superhuman chess players musicians uh, surgeons writers yeah. even get into this state yeah and dance and ballet too but I'll get onto that a bit later so- ah, yeah that's another really good one I mean yeah, I, yeah that's a, such a flow state when you're in the moment and it's all just work, it's all just happening. Anyway, psychologists say that this flow state has four essential characteristics, and the first is intensely focused absorption that makes us lose all sense of time. 
the second one is that the activity that you're engaged in becomes rewarding for its own sake. And that's what they call autotelicity. 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 Okay. And then the third is finding this thing called the sweet spot. So you feel like your skills are exactly matched to the task at hand. So you're not frustrated, but you're not bored. <laughs> yeah. You're just at the right level. And then there's another auto word. It's automaticity. And that's the sense that whatever activity it is that you're doing is kind of doing it itself. You know, uh, musicians will say the piano just becomes, it plays itself. And, you know, this reminded me actually of uh, the Tom Waits song, The Piano Has Been Drinking, Not Me. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the same sort of flow state that we're talking about. But anyway, it's a, it's a, check, check it out. It's a funny, it's a funny song. It's really, uh, he's obviously drunk when he's recording it, but he's saying it's not him. It's the piano that's been drinking. Anyway, you don't have to be an elite performer to attain this flow state. You know, anything that we're reasonably practiced at can, can get us there. All right. So what are the tricks that we need to do to get there? Yeah, and I think everyone will find their flow in different things. And again, psychologists say that's a big reason why we enjoy certain activities. You know, maybe for some people it's video games or cooking or puzzles or reading. And the reason we enjoy them is because they allow us to enter this zone. It's it's a really pleasurable state to be in. You know, and I find actually that uh, I'm lucky that I find that it sometimes has to be when I'm I'm working. uh, Yeah. Yeah, a, a big part of my job is to write, and that is almost kind of custom built for entering the the flow state. You know, sometimes it just happens, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think if work <laughs> is <laughs> if work is difficult, uh, I think the thing to do is just. I've, I've thought about this a lot over lockdown, actually, because what I feel like is I'm seeking that flow state all the time, almost in anything. That I'm doing because Have you, you tried Tom, lose... White, Tom Waits trick of just drink and see what you write then. <laughs> yeah, the typewriter keyboard has been drinking, not me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just don't let that frustration out. I think just go for a walk or a bike ride or even a little snooze and try again. And sometimes I just force myself to get on with something and then I sort of surface hours later realizing that I've been in the flow. And you know, with with downtime too, I like, you know, I like so cooking. I love to cook, but I like to cook familiar things. That I don't really have to think about too much. I've stopped persevering with bad books that I'm not enjoying. I just put them to one side and try something else. <laughs> and you know what? I've rediscovered the magic of the jigsaw. What a I way! What a way to get into the flow. Yeah, just into that into that state where you're just in the moment. It's and it's wonderful. Anyway, Anna, tell us about dance. Yeah, so one of the first things that come to mind when I think of elite performers is ballet. And there's definitely an element of flow coming into play for a lot of dancers. And it's not all magic. Obviously, there's the bit that makes you gasp and cry or whatever. But underlying it all is a lot of practice. So we've now got models for the actual physiological changes that take place when you practice something. And synapses are key. They join neurons to so neurons with your nerve cells and they join your neurons to other neurons or to muscles or glands, like a saliva gland, as in Pavlov's dogs. I don't know, you're familiar with Pavlov's dogs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so he noticed that he could get his dog to salivate, not just at the smell or sight of food, but um, if he kept ringing a, me- a buzzer or pinging and metronome before he fed his dogs they'd celebrate that anyway so when you get signals from your ears or skin or whatever they travel along these neurons via these synapses and the ease with which they cross these synapses changes so basically repetition strengthens the connectivity of these synapses and when you get this strengthening in a bunch of synapses in, in the hippocampus 
where you form memories in the brain. They can bind connected neurons into a circuit and that stores a new memory. Neurons that fire together, wire together, so the saying goes. And weakened connections can disappear altogether. That's the sort of stuff that's going on when you're practicing. You're, you're strengthening the connections for um, how you want to respond when you hear the music, you go off and dance, whatever you're doing. My dad used to tell me, don't practice until you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a lot of practice. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's something that you know can happen from experience. But I still found it fascinating when I found... And I first heard about the physiology behind what's going on with that kind of thinking. I love that. Uh, practice until you can't get it wrong. I hadn't heard that one before, which probably explains why. <laughs> I'm not very good, at, not an expert at anything. That's, uh, that's... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, oh, all right. So how does the, this understanding of practice and neuroscience, you know, and how has that been picked up? Yeah, so those classical conditioning ideas are fed into teaching in obvious ways, but it's also been quite a source of inspiration in electronics and computing. So usually in a computer, the memory and the processor are distinct. So you're constantly having to shuttle data between the two, and that can become a bit of a bottleneck. And there's lots of other advantages that you know computer scientists and stuff could come up with when they come across the idea of the connections themselves acquiring memory functions. So that when the, the idea of the way synapses in the brain works really got their creative juices flowing, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been quite a bit of progress in developing systems that can mimic synaptic responses. They call it synaptic electronics. So the first efforts to mimic the plasticity of circuits in the brain, the way they form long-term and short-term memories, were based on conventional CMOS transistors, the, the normal stuff in any like conventional little electronic gadget. And they even got quite a simple architecture that could kind of mimic a synapse with just 10 transistors. But the human brain <laughs> has more than a few, it's like yeah. 100 billion neurons. Yeah. And each neuron can have up to thousands, hundreds of thousands of synapses. So there's a big bit of a hunt for other approaches. And this all started to tie in with work on memristors, which hit off in the noughties. So what is memristors? What's that? So these are circuit elements with a resistance that changes depending on previous events. So it might get less and less resistance the more it experiences a voltage across it. So it has a memory function. So your wires are remembering what's been going on. Wow. <laughs> you know, they're learning. Are we going to see AIs kind of get into the flow in the future? That sounds like <laughs> something we might need to be a little bit afraid of. <laughs> Depends how much you get them to drink, I suppose. <laughs> There's now quite a lot of groups working on different ways of making memristors and mimicking synapses in electronic circuits with the idea of using them for super clever brain mimicking computers. So, yeah, neuromorphic computing, AI, all that kind of stuff. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. And there's heaps of companies all over it as well. (laughs) 
Anyway, what's your take on flow rowing? Uh, well, it's funny because one of the things uh, that Graham, as you said about flow, is that it tends to happen when you're doing something challenging but not too challenging. So you know, yeah, like you said, it's demanding of of very focused attention, but it's something that you're trained to do. So yeah, it might be like driving a Formula One car at 200 miles an hour or, you know, returning the serve from a professional tennis player or something like that. And uh, people call this the balanced attention state. And in that state, you make decisions quickly and often without conscious thought. But you can also get there by not doing nothing, you know, <laughs> by just sitting around, which I, you know, I find that quite attractive sometimes. So you can just get there by thinking about it, right? Or not thinking about it. I'm not quite sure. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's the interesting thing about meditation, actually, that I, I think I, I certainly didn't really understand when I first started doing it. So, yeah, it do, the point is, is that thinking about it does take practice, thinking yourself into that state. So it so it's not quite doing nothing. You do need to be good at it. So yeah, as well as that F1 driver, another person I spoke to um, was a neuroscientist who was also a, a distance runner and a practitioner of a kind of meditation called integrative mind-body training. I don't know if either of you have heard of that or tried that. Never never tried it, but I do find when I go running, I sometimes, again, sometimes get into the sort of zen-like state where it just yeah. all happens. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I know exactly what you mean. I, I mean, I haven't done that. I haven't practiced that particular kind of meditation, but I have done Zen meditation once. I went on a, tr- a retreat um, to a 13th century temple in Japan, and that was amazing. You weren't allowed to talk. We had to get up before dawn. Actually, I'm not making it sound very good, you know, but it was. It was a, an amazing. Now I think about it, you know, uh, yeah, we, we'd sit in the tatam- on the tatami and, and just meditate. But that was the thing. I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, are you supposed to? You know, like you're saying, Graham, are you, are you supposed to not think about something or, or are you allowed to think about things? You know, it was hard to know what to do. So uh, what? how long were you there for and what happened? <laughs> well, I was, I was there for uh, like hours. You sit up and you, you just you just have to sit there for hours. And actually, it was quite beautiful because they had all the windows of the temple open and it was dark. But gradually the light of dawn broke and I saw this all this, this plum tree with plum blossom. Just, oh, wow. just resolving as the as it gradually got lighter, but then the weird thing that happened was like these images and thoughts started. I noticed they were flowing through my head without me thinking about them. And, you know, it's, it was literally, well, not literally, but it was like it's like being on the bank of a river and watching it flow. You know that state, right? Well, it sounds a bit similar to that. Is it, is it called the hypnagogic state that you yeah. get when you transition from wake into sleep and then and then back again, where you sometimes aware that you're falling asleep and your mind just goes into this weird flow state again, isn't it? Yeah, um, and and that's gotten me really interested in that hypnagogic state as well. And so, yeah, the the point is is that you can get into a state of flow. Um, and I managed to get into it almost by accident doing this meditation, but Zen monks can get into it. Uh, much more easily because they've been training the, their minds to do this and and basically anyone who practices meditation can do it and like you say running is a is a kind of way of doing it but also there are technological ways to kind of align your brain waves to get yourself into a sort of cheat and, and speed yourself into a focused state of being so that neuroscientist distance runner what does he make of all this yeah, um, his name is Yi Yuan Tang, and uh, he's done a lot of work showing how meditation changes the brain, um, physically changes the brain. And that's exactly what you're saying, Anna. 
about, you know, how connections are strengthened between key areas of the brain. And one more thing to say about this is that I spoke to a, a meditation researcher at the University of Sussex called Peter Lush. He sees flow like being like a state where our intentions and decisions are unconscious. And, and he thinks that flow works best by not engaging with our intentions, but by allowing us to be non-judgmental observers of them. So that's what I'm going to do now. Actually, I'm going to go off and be a non-judgmental <laughs> observer of myself while I sit around doing nothing. Mm. We, we kept hold of you for the podcast, I suppose. <laughs> That's all for this week. All the episodes of Escape Pod are available for free at newscientist.com slash podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts normally. And another shout out for our discount code for 20% off a subscription to New Scientist. Go to newscientist.com slash pod20 and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by Oli Giyu Podcast Production. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk.